0: So uh, what I was saying there is that uh, we're into the book of Jude, and uh, this is a fascinating book. It's right before the book of Revelation, and that makes sense to me now that I've studied it. It also is just wonderful that we've studied Revelation, we've studied Hebrews, and the book of Jude just fits perfectly with Revelation, with Hebrews, and and, and Jude. It's kind of one message, the three uh, books together. So let me uh, get started now. I'm I'm assuming that everybody can hear me. And what I was saying as well is since this is uh, one book, I'm going to go through the chapter. We're going to do a summary of the book and then we're gonna have Q&A and Pastor Murray will join me for the Q&A. So as we're going through the book, uh, just if you have any questions you can post them on Facebook and uh, you can post them on the chat. And uh, I don't think I'll be able to check YouTube, um but uh facebook and chat will be good and i'm just going to open up the chat here as well so that uh actually i'll ask pastor murray to to monitor the chat i'll monitor facebook and uh, that way we can have an interactive session at the end of this so with all of that said let us get into the book of jude and uh, we will start then with chapter one and uh, let me just make sure that we can see this perfectly <clears throat> okay, bit of a rough start, but uh, I think we're in good shape now. So here we go. He says, and just let me organize myself here. So Jude, it starts with the, the, the author of, of the letter, Jude, uh, Judas. And it's interesting that this is a, a, a letter about apostasy. Hebrews is about apostasy. Jude is about apostasy and Judas, of course, was the the greatest apostate. He betrayed our Lord. But this is a faithful Judas. And so Jude, uh, who is the servant or the slave, the bondservant bound for life, the slave of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. So very, very interesting choice of words. James is the brother of Jesus, and so is Jude but Jude does not make his claim that he's the brother of Jesus. He's, he's, just, he's, the, he's the bond slave of Jesus, um, but he's the brother of James. So because he's the brother of James, we actually know and understand that he's also the brother of Jesus. He's a slave of Jesus, and so are we. And we know that because in the book of Revelation, the revelation was given to the servants of Christ so that we could know the things that are going to, to take place shortly and one of the things that we see in the book of Revelation that is certainly going to take place is apostasy. There are going to be many that are going to turn away from Christ and turn towards the beast and worship the beast and, and, and lose their, their salvation. And so this letter, the book of Jude, becomes very critical to us, very important to us in terms of those two, epistle, those two chapters in Revelation from Jesus Christ where he is warning the church Uh, that the expansion of that warning is here in jude that that we can really take heart of of the advice that's given here in in the book of jude and we'll go through that as we as we unfold the letter so this is from jude the slave of jesus and the brother of james to who to them that are sanctified by god the father so that is us this is a letter to us and certainly for those of us in the end time this is extremely relevant but he was writing to the brethren in his time in the first century but we know the wisdom of God these are these letters are designed for those of us upon whom the end of the world is come so they are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called so we are preserved in Jesus Christ and that's important and we know that Jesus Christ is our high priest we learned that from Revelation uh, from Hebrews and he is devoted to us and he has sacrificed his very life in order to preserve us but from the book of Hebrews it's also quite clear that there's a role that we have so he will keep us but we must keep to him he will hold on to us but we have to hold on to him and certainly if that was not true then the rest of this letter from Jude would be irrelevant he would just say Uh, We're sanctified by God the Father and we're preserved in Jesus Christ. And that's the end of the story Don't worry about anything else. But in fact, you'll see that Jude is extremely concerned This is a letter of intense urgency that he's writing to us So he says here uh, he's preserved in Jesus Christ and called And we see here then that uh, We want mercy unto us and peace and love be multiplied multiplied so you really, every time we read these, um, most of the epistles, I think there's maybe one or two exceptions, that the authors are constantly expressing God's goodwill to the saints. Even when we read Revelation, we see the goodwill that God has to the saints. Even though there are very, very stern warnings, there is, there is goodwill toward the saints. So mercy to us, which is an uh, un- unmerited pardon, we don't deserve this mercy. Peace to us. And love multiplied so again very good goodwill now he begins the letter so all of that was just the introduction now he is going to give us his purpose statement why is he writing the letter he says beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation so what he's saying to us here is we are loved and out of this expression of love to us he sat down to write a letter to us about the the common salvation there's one salvation for all of us and we are we are working towards that salvation and it is such great news It's so encouraging its what blessedness and so he's responsible for this congregation and he's sitting down and he begins to pen this letter to them and then something happens he says, "While well, I, I, it was like, I've got to write to this congregation. So, you know, Pastor Murray and I were responsible for two different congregations. And it might be we're traveling and we haven't seen our congregation, one of our congregations for a while. And we just have to reach out to them and encourage them. And just, you know, what a wonderful, joyful salvation we are a part of. And keep going, you're doing well. Like, just, just rejoice in the love of the Lord. And so we sit down to prepare this letter. That's our intention. And then something happens. He says it became necessary it was needful for me to write unto you so he changed his mind the the letter that he was gonna write you almost have this impression of he began to write the letter and just tore it up something happened either he got news about the state of the congregation or the Holy Spirit provided the revelation that was provided to John maybe he got a, a taste of that revelation by the Holy Spirit we don't know what happened but something happened to cause him to change his mind. And the letter that he was going to write, he abandoned it. And instead, he chose to write this letter. So he says, It became necessary for me, it became urgent for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered. So something has happened, something has gone wrong, and there is a great risk. Of wolves penetrating the sheepfold and destroying the sheep and when when he gets wind of this of what is going to happen to God's people how God's people are going to be destroyed that positive encouraging letter that he was gonna write becomes irrelevant and instead he wants them to contend earnestly contend for the faith and that earnest contention is it's a fight they, they need to understand that this is a fight for the faith something so, something is going terribly wrong and the church is at great risk and in order to avoid the risk the danger of what could happen the church must earnestly contend for the faith and so he is just Wow when he gets he can see what is coming upon the church and he's saying you there, there's a faith that was once delivered we must fight for that faith and and to fight means to earnestly contend. we we have to be strategic about this we have to be tactical about it we have to be earnest about it and realize the risk that we are facing and so he wants the, the brethren to earnestly contend for this faith and so he continues now earnestly contend and that verb earnestly contend is in the middle voice which means it's, it's reflective, it comes back on itself. So it's something that we have to do for our own benefit. So it, we're the ones who are at risk, and the earnest contention for the faith is to our own benefit. So we must earnestly contend for the faith, which faith? The faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So there is a degradation, there is a deviation from the original faith. And what we have to do is plug into the original faith and fortunately we have the scriptures and we can search the scriptures and so we have the standard we don't need to follow men we need to follow the word of God and we need to be asking ourselves are we earnestly contending if we are not earnestly contending we're not part of the solution there's a big problem in the church and if we are not earnestly contending to go back to the original faith That was originally delivered to the Saints if we're not part of that effort and that that earnest contention for that then we're part of the problem we are part of the devil's um, strategy to water down the faith to cause the Saints to deviate from the faith that was originally delivered so that's just a question that we have to ask ourselves are we with the program are we earnestly contending for the faith and Paul says provoke one another provoke one another to love and good works are we provoking one another or are we letting things slide you know we're we going into congregations and it's obvious you know you look at how the women dress you listen to how the men talk and it's just obvious the congregation is declining the congregation is getting mixed up with the world and we see it but we don't contend we don't provoke one another we just we just all let it go then we're part of the problem if we're contending and it doesn't mean we go and give you know, give our brother or sister a black eye but it means that we see the deviation and we figure out how can we get the congregation back to the faith that was once delivered in love, not, not in, uh, when it says contend, it doesn't necessarily mean contention. It means just real effort, agony, striving, real efforts, praying over it, fasting over it, uh, trying to figure out how do we do this? But we, we, we clearly see what the problem is and that's what we're contending for. <clears throat> so he goes on now. To say now I wanted to just so why this book is so important is this prophecy in second Thessalonians like let's not be deceived by any means for that day the end time shall not come except there come a falling away first and the sand of man, man of sin be revealed the son of perdition so this prophecy tells us that apostasy is part of of the program Christ himself said when the Son of Man comes will he find faith on the earth so it's clear that in the end time the issue is faith the issue is faith and that's the, we spent this whole time in the book of Hebrews seeing how to contend when faith is being challenged when when faith is being lost how do we contend for the faith and so Hebrews gave us part of the equation but not the whole jude gives us the other half there's two halves to the contention and what we're going to see as we study jude is while hebrews focused on external persecution and because of that external persecution brethren growing weak brethren faltering and brethren apostatizing that's external persecution what jude deals with is internal infiltration that the persecution comes from within and because of that infiltration, there's apostasy, and of the two, infiltration is the greater danger. Actually, when 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 the church is persecuted from the outside, uh, what do they say? The cream rises to the top. That those who are truly, who truly love God, were willing to give everything, and and so the the church actually grows in persecution. Even though, of course, there is apostasy, but in persecution, people actually join the church. They see the purpose of the church, and 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 the church actually grows but where where we fall into danger is when we don't have that external pressure instead we have infiltration and we begin to water down we begin to let down our guard and all of a sudden or excuse not all of a sudden but over time we're not what we used to be we we lose our first love and you know Christ in the the seven epistles there are so many warnings in there from this great priest king or king priest with eyes like a flame of fire he is furious and it is a furious God a God full of wrath that is returning and we have this sort of softy-tofty oh I'm okay you're okay and you know what God's okay too we're all okay Uh, no we're not all okay God is furious and the world is evil and God's people cannot be mixed up in this evil we have to fear God and and get out of this world have nothing to do with the world, purify ourselves as, as men and women who realize God is coming and He's full of wrath and we need to be under the blood of Christ. It, it's like the, the early Israelites. They, they had to put that blood on their doorposts in order to avoid the wrath of God. If we, don't, if we are not under the blood of Christ, this wrath is coming upon us. And, and I think too many of us have this kind of Protestant view of god of everything's okay god loves everybody and it's all fine he's just you know just it's okay no 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 when we read the scriptures it's not okay it is of the highest urgency and this is and jude is writing to us with 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 a sense of alarm and an urgency and we have to receive this letter with that same sense of alarm and urgency so it's very clear apostasy is what the end right before the return of jesus christ great apostasy and how does it happen it happens little by little and then and then a lot and even here paul writes to timothy that the spirit speaks expressly it couldn't be any clearer the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times this is our time this is you look around us look at the news there's this sense of acceleration the world is just changing you know you go to bed you wake up you go to bed you wake up and in a way everything seems the same but at the same time it's very clear it's not the same from decade to decade and now it's sort of every five years the world is a totally different place and so something is happening something is accelerating the devil is running out of time and the spirit speak the spirit could not be any clearer that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith it's all about faith Hebrews was all about faith jude is all about faith revelation is all about faith it's all about faith and when the son of man returns will he find faith so here there there's going to be this apostasy giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils so this is what jude is all about how to avoid these seducing spirits and these doctrines of devils because bad doctrine leads to bad behavior good doctrine leads to good behavior so we have to protect our doctrine we have to contend for the right doctrine and so we have to be careful and that's where again we have to be careful about the teachers we need teachers who are gonna bring good doctrine and good doctrine is right from the Word of God it's not what I think it's not what Pastor Murray thinks it's not what any of our pastors think it's, it's what the Word of God says and all our, our job is just to give you the Word of God and unfortunately uh, sometimes you know the Word of God isn't sweet uh, it's not sweet it's not it's, it's bitter and so Paul when he wrote Hebrews he ended it saying allow this word of exhortation this has been a rough rough letter but allow it it's out of love for you and here we're gonna see a rough uh, exhortation as well from from uh, Jude now when we were studying Hebrews so we're, we're contending for the faith that was once delivered to the Saints and so there's one there's one doctrine there's one faith and it's the same faith as our far, father Abraham it's not that Abraham had a certain faith and we have a different faith. It's, it's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. All the saints have the one faith. And so Paul wrote in Hebrews, unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. So the forefathers had the same gospel preached to them, but the word preached to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. So that, that was the only problem. The, it, the problem was not with the doctrine they received, The problem was not with the gospel they received, the problem was it it wasn't mixed with faith. But that gospel that they received is the same gospel that's preached to us. So this faith that we are fighting and contending for, it's the same faith that was preached to the fathers. And then with, with, with this contention, you know, the Hebrews are feeling sorry for themselves, and Paul is not feeling sorry for them they're feeling sorry for themselves all the persecution that they've faced and now they're going to be facing another wave of persecution and they want a little bit of a pity party and uh, paul says no mm -mm, no pity party you know put your big boy pants on and get get up and get going again because you have not resisted unto blood striving against sin and that's the expectation that paul has that as you contend for the faith you you might get bloodied so you're not going to win this fight Without contention. And, and that means it's going to hurt. You're going to get bruised. But so what? Because what we're fighting for is so glorious that we're willing to pay the price. And that's what Paul is saying. You must be willing to re- resist unto blood. If you even shed blood, that's not too much for you to ask. Why? Because we're slaves of Jesus Christ. We go where he sends us. We do what he tells us. And even whatever we do, it's, it's, it's still not enough for everything that he's done for us. And then Paul, remember that there was this real focus in in Hebrews that we're to consider one another, to provoke one another, and that that provocation is not a light word. It's, it can sometimes it can mean sharp contention, but the the intent is to provoke one another to love, and good works. We understand the the risk, what what we are what the Hebrews in the first century and us in the 21st century, what is the risk of failure. And when we understand the risk of failure we're just we're just considering one another and helping one another and now we need to have this view of kind of a macro view of our congregation and realize that we have to contend for the faith we need to make sure that our congregations are pure our congregations are holy that when Jesus Christ returns he returns to a congregation that is ready for him we can't be so selfish that we're just thinking it's just me and the Lord and as long as when the Lord returns, I'm, I'm good, I don't care about anybody else, as long as I make it, this is not the, the view of the Christian. Philippians 2 tells us to let this mind be in us, which was also in Jesus Christ. And it's the mind that esteems the brother greater than ourselves. And we just, we look at our congregation and we need to make sure that the whole congregation, it's a day of rejoicing when our Lord returns. We may be mourning, we may be full of grief in this world prior to his return, but even in that grief, there's an inner joy. But when he returns, we rejoice. There's a loud shout of triumph, and that's what we're looking for for the whole congregation. So we're going to be provoking one another to love and good works. This is exactly what Jude is saying. Same message. So now, Jude explains why there is this um, concern. Why? Why he's so concerned? He explains here <clears throat> that he says for certain men are crept in unawares so they have been sneaking in unawares we, 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 haven't, we don't know why, how they got in but they've snuck in and they're contentious and they're seductive and they are of the devil and they've crept into the congregation and he says here who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ so this is quite strong wording that he has here there is a ancient prophecy that says that these men are coming and so it's no surprise to to Jude that they are actually here and he's warning us he's warning the congregation that look this is ancient prophecy they, this this was um, prophesied that in the end time there would be this ungodliness and so they're just fulfilling the ancient prophecy and what is it that that they're doing specifically they're turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness this word means just looseness uh, no no self-control anything goes living out our lusts and desires and it's all fine it's all good god is gracious so you know let sin abound because so, so let sin uh, abound so grace can abound uh, this is this is their doctrine so there's a high permissiveness that they're sneaking into the church with their little whispering campaign and the standards of god of the church are lowering and they we're getting into behavior that is uncomely for the saints but if it's the, the world around us is doing it so it seems quite normal and they're denying the only lord god and our lord jesus christ so this is blasphemous behavior and blasphemous doctrine and it's this it's the seducing spirits and it's the doctrines of devils and so in this case this is lasciviousness but it doesn't mean that the the answer to this is um uh you know being totally legalistic uh no there there is a balance in the middle That we have this freedom in the Holy Spirit that frees us from the bonds of sin we we, this freedom we want to serve God we want to do God's will and so we don't need people you know measuring and 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 shaking wagging the finger at us and this sort of uh, cultish behavior in the in the congregations there's a freedom in the Holy Spirit and it's a freedom where the law of God is in our hearts so everybody wants to do God's will uh, but they they now are taking this you know in Galatians we have the problem of people being legalistic and and, and uh, removing God from the picture with their legalism but here in this net case now we have the opposite it's all about uh, lasciviousness and, and doing whatever we like and there's this filth let's call it what it is there's filth in the church and we're okay with it we're not earnestly contending we're not seeing that you know a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears evil fruit. But we're we we're, we're becoming complacent, and we're okay with this filth in the church. Now, Habakkuk was not okay. When Habakkuk saw the filth in the covenant community, he complained to God. Remember we, we read there, he says, Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? So he's looking in the in the in the church, in the, the ancient church, the covenant community, and he's seeing this filth. And he's asking God, like, how come I understand the law, I understand your word, and and I'm seeing this filth, and you're not doing anything about it. He says, spoiling and violence are before me. So these are ravenous wolves, and they have violence in them. and, And Habakkuk is seeing this. And there are that raise up strife and contention. So they've gotten into the community, and this is what they're doing. And therefore, the law is slacked. And that's exactly what's happening now. The law is slack we don't want, we don't love god in the way that we should and judgment never goes forth everything everything's okay god's okay too and you're okay and i'm okay and the world's okay and god's okay and there's no standards this is this is not new habakkuk suffered for, suffered when he saw this in the covenant community the law is slacked judgment never goes forth and the wicked surround the righteous they sneak in and and what they're all about is dominance and they get into positions of power and this is what they do therefore a wrong judgment proceeds and so Habakkuk saw this and he complained bitterly to God and and Jude is saying it's the same thing for us in the end time so he says I will therefore put you in remembrance so the very first thing that Jude says is you need to remember this this is a teaching that you've already had And you're straying from it go back to the teaching go back to the teaching I'm I'm gonna remind you of what you've already been taught though you once knew this what is the very first lesson that he points out to them because there's gonna be three the first one he says I want you to remember you you knew this once I want to remind you now how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not (laughs) this is some powerful powerful messaging from Jude so again if we have this notion it's nice to be in Christ it's nice to know the Lord the Lord's okay I'm okay you're okay and the world's okay everything's okay I need to remind you that the same Lord who moved and through the power of the blood of Christ through that power of that blood of Christ he was able to save the people through that Passover he was able to save the people from his wrath and through that salvation bring them out of the land of Egypt and these same people that were saved by the blood of Christ these very same people the same Lord destroyed so it's not I'm okay you're okay God's okay the world's okay everything's okay no it's not okay God is not to be trifled with God is to be feared and just because he brings us out of Egypt it, it's no there's no one saved always saved here we must understand who we're dealing with and his expectations and we must strive to live up to those expectations so the same thing that Paul was dealing with the Hebrews with and reminding them of the original Israelites and the original salvation and how they were still destroyed Jude is pointing to the same message this is apostasy so these Israelites they came out they had enough faith to come out but then they apostatized they became unbelievers they turned their back on God and God destroyed them this is the first lesson that we need to understand the reason he's telling us this is it's the same God it's the same blood of Christ that 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 has brought us out and now we're in deep trouble if we harden our hearts and that's why Paul said to the Hebrews don't harden your hearts as in the day of provocation the day in the wilderness of temptation when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works for 40 years therefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not not known my ways so I swore in my wrath God can be angry God is angry God is is pregnant with wrath and he's about to unleash his wrath on the world we need to understand this and we need to hide ourselves from this wrath so i swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest we don't want him looking at us and swearing in his wrath that we shall not enter into his rest jude continues so that was the first apostasy now he comes to so we'll just go back to what he said about this first apostasy that he wants us to remember these ancient forefathers who were saved from The wrath of god on egypt and then that wrath of god destroyed them then he says the second apostasy and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day so there is a set of angels that had a certain habitation or a certain position and they left that and they apostatized and they turned against God and now they are reserved in chains they're imprisoned until this great day of judgment so it's not all the angels but there is a subset of angels here that this is their punishment trifling with God for for apostatizing then he gives this third um, uh, uh, warning or third example which with Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them so even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So three examples of unfaithfulness, three examples of apostasy, three examples of perversion, and three examples of God's wrath for this perversion, for this unfaithfulness, for this apostasy. So he he wants us to remind he wants to remind us of this. Paul in Hebrews dealing with the same thing. Warned us lest there be any fornicator or a profane person like Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So there seems to be this very clear connection between bad doctrine, bad ideas and bad behavior. And more often than not the behavior that the seducing spirits, Satan and his seducing spirits, the behavior That they want to tempt us with is sexual in nature because of the holy meaning of matrimony what a husband and wife the sexuality between a husband and wife just how beautiful it is what it actually means uh, the the symbolism of that Satan is against that he rails against that and so he wants to do everything he can to destroy that sacredness and and warp our minds and I think the thing about sexual perversion is it has no depth it has no depth you start off with fornication. You get married. You're onto adultery. You go into homosexuality. Next thing you know, you're into pedophilia. And then there's no age limit to the pedophilia. To the point where you have grown men. I, don't, I won't even talk about it. But it's just disgusting. And something happens to the mind when Satan can warp us with sexuality. So anybody out there if you are involved with perversion, sexual perversion, go to the high priest. Get out of it. Because it has no bottom. Each sin, it becomes, oh well, that's boring now. I need to go to the next level. Stay in holiness. You know, be, get, get married. And if you can't be married, just keep yourself pure. And everybody, get out of this. Because in the end time, these seducing spirits, sexuality is all, you, can't, you can hardly turn anything on without being bombarded with perversion. And so we have to guard ourselves because this is how the devil works. And so beware because this is this is the onslaught. This is the total onslaught in the end time. And a lot of it has to do with sexual perversion. So in the same way, so he goes through these three examples, you got ancient Israel, you've got these set of angels and you've got Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around Sodom and Gomorrah, all three punished in different ways, but all three severely punished with the wrath of God. So that filth, that perversion, in the same way, likewise, also, these filthy dreamers who have infiltrated the church, these are the devil's puppets. So we have the devil's puppets externally persecuting the church, but we also have soldiers of the devil, soldiers of Satan, penetrating the church. And what they do, they defile the flesh. This is their objective. Defile the flesh. Then they also despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. So uh, uh, Christ says, out of the out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He also says, by their fruits you shall know them. He also says that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. So we have to see the fruit, and even before the fruit, we can listen to the words. And so when people are speaking seductions, they are flirtatious they're seductive in their language red flag red flag red flag when people are uh, how shall I say disrespectful to authority kinda pull you aside and they want to tear down the ministry where in Hebrews Paul is constantly saying obey them that have the rule over you greet them that have the, the rule over you you know acknowledge those that have the rule over you why because that's how God is going to work to preserve us We're all one unit, but he's given us different gifts and roles. But these, they're going to speak evil. They're going to try to tear down and discredit uh, the the shepherds. And they're also going to speak seductively. This is what we, we, we know the devil is at work. This is contending how we can contend for the faith. So this is what they do. They despise dominion. And they speak evil of dignitaries. Jude says, yet Michael, the archangel so you know Lucifer's out now we have Michael this this archangel when contending with the devil so he's earnestly contending when contending with the devil he disputed about the body of Moses so this is uh, in Jewish literature they they had uh, I think this is the assumption of Moses uh, there so he's writing to a Jewish audience that this is the literature that they have and they have this insight about the argument that Michael had about who owns the body of Moses to bury it? So, when Michael was disputing with the devil about this, he did he dared not bring against him a railing accusation, instead, he said, The Lord rebuke you. So, this is the example of righteousness that if Michael, who is this archangel, when he was contending with Satan, who was Lucifer, about the body of Moses, he respected. The fact that uh, uh, Satan holds this office holds an office and even though he's been rejected by God until Christ came and and took that office away from him he was in that office Adam failed and so Michael respected the office and and rather than rebuke Satan directly and you would think that would be deserved he says you know what the Lord rebuke you and so this is an example of how right how the righteous deal with authority but these these filthy dreamers who have infiltrated the church they speak evil of those things which they know not so they're completely ignorant they don't really understand god's plan and god's will and god's counsel and yet they feel free to speak evil of what they don't understand but what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves so they are you know the the i think it was uh... first corinthians the second chapter where he says you know without the Holy Spirit we cannot know the things of God the same way that animals cannot know the things of humans without the human spirit humans cannot know the things of God without the Holy Spirit and so these people don't have the Holy Spirit they've lost the spirit and they have they're now operating at the level of animals but in that understanding of no access to the understanding of God are they corrupting themselves woe unto them they are cursed woe unto them Jude is not pulling punches here woe unto them for they have gone in the way of Cain so so first he gave three examples of apostasy now he's going to give three examples of selfishness three examples of the, the way he wants us to understand how these people think and so he's going to give us three examples of how these people think they're cursed why are they cursed? because they've gone the way of Cain and they have ran, greedily, after the error of Balaam, or Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of course. So Cain, so all three of these, are just really, really selfish people. They don't love people. They don't care about anybody. They just care about themselves. Cain became envious of his brother Abel. Abel did his best. He brought a beautiful reward or, or, or offering to God that has nothing to do with Cain. That's between Abel and God. Cain became envious and slew his brother. That's, that's what was working in the mind of Cain. Then we have um, Balaam, who was a prophet, but he was a prophet who was for hire. And he tried to get uh, uh, Israel cursed for, for hire, for, for gain, again, selfish. And Kor, Korah, Korah. Who resisted Moses you know why why is Moses why are Moses and Aaron the leaders we're all leaders we're all holy what makes them different and really he wanted to be the leader and again this this selfishness So three different examples of of how these uh, filthy dreamers who have infiltrated the church how they really think Jude wants us to be alert that anybody can put on a suit in our day and age in our culture suit and tie or a nice dress everybody can put on perfume and cologne and make themselves look and smell nice and everything looks good on the surface Jude wants us to understand the heart and the first indication of the heart is what comes out of the mouth that they're going to speak filth there's there's seduction there's flirtation there's sexual innuendo coming out of the mouth or there's despising of dominion they don't like structure They don't like authority in the church they don't want anybody to be over. really they want to be over everybody but what they're saying is they don't want no we're all we're all holy we're all elders nobody should be over us but really and truly they want to be in 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 charge and in power but uh, we need to be wise as serpents we need to understand how human nature works especially when it's devoid of the Holy Spirit so now with all of this infiltration in the church And Habakkuk in his time he was really worried about this and he was frustrated with God that God wasn't doing anything And so in the same way now we we could feel the same way like we're earnestly contending feel like God isn't doing anything Here's the answer to Habakkuk Behold you among the heathen the answer to all of this Apostasy all of this poor filthy behavior in the church the answer is actually going to come from outside and this is why we need to prepare ourselves for this because it is a massive answer so uh, Habakkuk said you're not doing anything God says I am look out of don't don't look inside the community look outside look among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe though it be told you and then he goes on to say that just shall live by faith so as we contend for this faith we become among those that God says are just and when this massive correction comes upon the church and lo it will wait for it though it tarry it will not tarry anymore and it will come so all of this is going on in the church we have to contend for the faith that was once delivered while we're contending we're being categorized as the just and then this massive correction is going to come upon the church and this is really the link between jude and hebrews that jude is about this fighting against the internal infiltration hebrews is about what we do when the massive correction comes he says these are spots in your feasts of charity your agape feast and there was a meal that the church had annually called the agape meal and it preceded passover and it was a love feast and it just ensured that there was full love in the congregation And now these people have infiltrated the congregation, and during the agape meals, they are actually spots that instead of a congregation that's full of love, uh, you know, fervent love for one another, we have these spots inside that are participating in the agape meal, but they have designs on the brethren, and they actually want to destroy the church. And yet they're part of the agape meal, and they're full of lust, they're full of carnal desire. And this is how they come to the meal. And we can see that in 1 Corinthians 11. You'll actually see these same people operating in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul is like, what is going on with the agape meal? What are you doing? One is drunk and another is starving. This one is eaten so much like a glutton and he's full of wine. And another one comes, a poor brother comes and he's a bit late and all the food is gone. How how does this happen? These are spots on your agape meals when they feast with you feeding themselves without fear. And again, go back and read 1 Corinthians 11 to see the, the conduct of these people. They, they are selfish. The agape meal is about all about loving one another and, and looking after one another. They just come and look after themselves, feeding themselves without fear. They don't fear God. They're okay. The world's okay. Everything's fine. No need to fear God. Clouds they are without water carried about of wind so you know if you're a farmer and you're just looking for that rain and you begin to see clouds there's a sense of hope and there's no there's no water in the clouds it's it's a it's just useless it's a mirage carried about of wind trees whose fruit withers so again god is looking for fruit from the tree their fruit withers they're without fruit twice dead plucked up by the roots they're dead twice so this this is the second death they're completely useless and they're they're finished woe unto them now here we see in first Corinthians 11 and you can go back and read the whole chapter uh, where, where they're dealing with the agape meal but he says here for there must also be heresies among you why that they which are approved may be made manifest among you so these people are infiltrating the church and what it actually does is it makes it clear to God who are the just who are the ones that truly are earnestly contending for the faith that's why there has to be heresy if, if these heretics were not among us then we would not be known so we have to use all things work together for good so as long as we love God and we're called according to his purpose we just have to contend and he says when you come together therefore into one place this is not to eat the Lord's Supper so there was a meal before the Passover and he's saying look you're not you're not doing this right for in eating, everyone takes before the other his own supper. So they're feeding themselves. Why are you doing this? This is the agape meal. You're supposed to be lo- fervently loving one another, looking for opportunity to serve one another. Instead, you come and you feed yourself. Everyone takes before the other his own supper instead of esteeming the other better than himself. So one comes, and after this feast, there's a, it's a feast, he's hungry, there's, there's no food left for him. He's poor. He can't get off work until sunset. By the time he gets off work and comes to the meal, all the food is gone. And the one that was wealthier and, and didn't have to work or could get off work early, he's eaten so much and had so much wine. It's been a real feast for him. He's drunk. Paul is beside himself. He's like, how does this happen in the agape feast? This is not the Lord's Supper. are That's the devil's dinner. You're, you're into something else. You have perverted the whole... Uh, practice he says what don't you have houses that you can eat and drink in or is it that you despise the church of God and and shame them that that are poor what shall I say to you shall I praise you in this I I have no praise for you so that's the the feast now when he says they were twice dead this is going back to Genesis when God says to Adam that this knowledge this tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it in the day that you eat of it, the Hebrew says, you shall die, die. You shall die, die. The Greek says, you shall die the death. So there's a double die here, twice dead. There's, this is the second death. And so these people, they obviously had the Holy Spirit, but they've allowed themselves to, uh, what, what we saw in Hebrews 6, now it's impossible to re- renew them to the faith. He says here in Jude, They are raging waves of the sea so this is this is how jude sees them they're just raging waves of the sea and he says here raging waves of the sea foaming out their shame so you get the sense of the sea that just creates all of this foam and this is (laughs) they're raging they have all these lust and desires inside them And they're foaming out their shame. They can't help it. All of their shame just comes out. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Jude is not pulling any punches here. These are filthy people that have come into the church and their lust will become evident to everyone. And then he goes on to say, he goes on now to quote uh, the book of Enoch. and and Again, Jewish literature, this is uh, the book of Enoch. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, "Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints." So he began saying, "This is ancient prophecy," said that this is coming. So Enoch, seventh from Adam, had a view into the end time, of uh, the time of the Lord's return. And when the Lord returns, Enoch could see he returns in a state to a state of apostasy. So, so he's saying, look, this is, and you read the Jewish literature the book of Enoch, you'll see this, that he be, he prophesied that the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. So the Lord is coming with his saints. What's he coming to do? To execute, he's furious. If, if we don't portray, if we don't understand Jesus coming full of wrath, then we don't know Jesus. He's coming to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all, and, and this is just so... It's, it's so poetic, but it's so heartbreaking. He's coming to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. I think we get the idea here. This rampant ungodliness. People just don't have God in their lives. They are completely devoid of God. And this is this is the world that Enoch said that Jesus is coming back to this is our world so between today and the return of Christ we're going to see this wholesale ungodliness in the world and Jude is saying and it's going to be in the church this, this disease that that penetrates the church it doesn't just penetrate the church and stay quiet it penetrates the church and they have such desire and such designs and they're under the operation of the devil that it spreads in the church. And it overtakes. it's like a cancer that just overtakes the church and destroys the church. And Christ says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's how destructive this is. And, and Paul tells us, wholesale apostasy. Uh, he tells Timothy uh, that you know, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils are going to overtake So now he says who who are these people how how do we identify them as we earnestly contend for the faith how do we know who we're contending with how do do we spot them there it's prophesied that they're going to infiltrate Uh, how do we how do we spot them okay this is how these are murmurers complainers we spot them by their speech out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks They're not speaking of love. You don't hear agape. Instead, you hear murmuring, complaining, despising dominion. They don't want anybody over them. Why? Because they want to do whatever they want to do. This is it. Murmurers and complainers walking after their own lusts. They don't want to be governed. They want to be free not to do the law of God, free to do the opposite, free to pursue their lusts, walking after their own lusts. And their mouth Speaks great swelling words. This is what he's saying. Contend for the faith. Now, here's how to know where the enemy is working. And we need. And he's going to tell us how to know where the enemy is working. Then he's going to tell us how to actually contend. So, uh, their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So, when you look at Paul, when Paul came to address the Hebrews. He didn't come and say, "You're okay. I'm okay. God's okay. The world's okay. Everything's fine. You guys are wonderful." He came with sharp contention. You know, you guys ought to be teachers by now, and it's like I have to go back to kindergarten. It's it's a shame. Your your spiritual state is a disaster. This is how Paul spoke. He wasn't looking to flatter us so that we think, "Oh, Paul loves us. I love him." It's like no, the the love of God comes with a sharp sword sometimes. And so we, we want people who will speak the truth in love, not people who are going to flatter us so they can manipulate us. It's, it's just a, a human condition that when we are flattered, we favor the person who's flattering us. So we just have to be careful. There's nothing wrong with a sincere compliment, somebody telling us about our gift, that they are edified by the gift that we have, and it's truly sincere. And, and they're not saying it so they can have designs on us. They're just saying it out of a true sense of appreciation. That's fine. But these, they they will on the one hand despise dominion. They will despise others, and then they'll flatter us. Uh huh. Doesn't work like that. If you're going to despise my brother, I can't believe in your flattering me, because we're all one body. And if you'll despise my brother, despise my brother behind his back. Then you're going to do the same about me behind my back we have to be wise as serpents so they have men's persons in admiration because of advantage but beloved remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our lord jesus christ so he says this is anciently predicted and going all the way back to enoch he could see the return of christ in a time of apostasy but now he's saying you don't even have to go back that far just go back to what the apostles taught us so the apostle you heard what the apostles taught And we can go into Ephesians, in fact, and see how Paul worried over the the church at Ephesus because of infiltration, saying that uh, if you go into Acts, I believe it's um, I I think it's Acts 17, might not be, but it's in it's in Acts uh, where he's worried. Maybe it's Acts 20. uh, He's worried about the uh, Ephesian church and and the elders, and that even amongst the elders there were he could see wolves that after his departure. We're going to infiltrate the church and, and, and shipwreck it. So the apostles, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So we have this tension between the word of God. We, we, oh, so I just saw that it's, um, um, thanks Pastor Murray, it's Acts 20, 25 to 31. So in Acts 20, 25 to 31 is where you see Paul worried about the infiltration in the church. And so the apostles warned of this and they told us that in the last time, there will be mockers. So they're going to be in the church, but they're not taking the word of God seriously. So it creates this tension in the church. There's going to be brethren who are reading the word of God, wanting to take it seriously. And then there's going to be other, apparently brethren in the church, saying you don't need to take that seriously. It's not real. And it creates this tension. And Jude is saying, in this tension, we have to earnestly contend for the faith. And understand will listen to their words and understand that the battery <clears throat> that's powering them is ungodly lusts they want what they want and they see manipulating the church in order to achieve their ungodly lust. and some of these uh, you know some of these churches of God I, I it's a shame I have to say this the leaders are filthy dreamers the leaders are perverse and they have entire con- not just congregations but multiple congregations worldwide church And they're filthy dreamers and they have ungodly lusts and they're just using the people and flattering them and telling them oh you're a Philadelphian Christian and everybody else is Laodicean and they're just tools of the devil these be they who separate themselves sensual having not the spirit so they, they, are, they believe in separating themselves, being exclusive, we're the exclusive people, everyone else is evil, you're so beautiful, you're wonderful as long as you follow me, we're off to the place of safety, and all of this nonsense. They, they separate themselves, they're sensual, they don't have the spirit, and you can hear by the way they speak. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, so it is about faith we have to build up ourselves and again when we studied Philippians 2 and we saw that every time uh, Paul used the word you it was in the plural here are these verbs and the you y'all and it's all it's plural it's, it's it's a collective effort we have to edify each other edify the church build ourselves up on our most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit keep yourselves in the love of God so God can keep us but we have a part to play too we have to keep ourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life and he says he's going to appear unto them who love his appearing so everyone is going to be terrified of his appearing but those of us who are keeping ourselves in the love of God we're looking for his appearing we're desiring his appearing because we're looking for his mercy unto eternal life now now he tells us how to contend so there is a difference so, so everybody's not the same <clears throat> we need to be aware we need to listen to how people talk we need to look at their fruit we need to look at their behavior but he says to make a difference he says and some of some have compassion making a difference that they're not everybody's not the same we need to make a difference so you know here we have otters but there's a cat in the midst you know just cuz you're tall that doesn't make you diff- what this is a different beast altogether so we have to understand there's differences so make a difference, he says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So there's some that are just weak. And, 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 and you know, Paul says to, to look after the weak, you know, warn them that are unruly and, and comfort those who are weak. So some people are just weak and we want to work with compassion with the weak. And, and there's a difference. They're not, they're not the same. Others, we have to save with fear, pulling them out of the fire so these people are on their way our god is a consuming fire these people are on their way to destruction and we need to see like wow they, they've gone over they're actually seduced by these spirits and we need to figure out how we can pull them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh so they're involved in sexual perversion and we hate it but there are brothers and our sisters and we've got to yank them out of the fire what you're committing adultery you're committing fornication wake up we need to provoke do you have any idea who we're dealing with do you realize you have to stand before God do you know what's going to happen to you and we need to provoke them unto love and good works so, and at the same time hating what they're involved in and so this is where Paul says let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works and then Paul Jude now begins to conclude his letter now unto him that is able to keep you from falling so he is able to keep us from falling. He's our high priest. But we have to keep ourselves in his love. So to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. We need to think about this. With all of our faults, with all of our foibles, with all of our weaknesses, with all of our sin, he is able to present us faultless. This The just shall live by faith. We become just not because of our righteousness but because of his righteousness and because what we need then is faith in his righteousness faith believing in him because he was angry with those who didn't believe so we believe and because of our belief he's able to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy these are we have to just meditate on these words it's hard to digest it's hard to express But this is our future and so it's all about believing in the high priest and that's what Paul said in Hebrews we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin so he's been through this he's a high priest that's compassionate and so Jude now ends by saying to the only wise God this when we look at Revelation when we look at Jude when we look at Hebrews there's a wisdom in these books and it comes from God and any other so-called doctrine we're not interested there's only one wise God and we believe in his word to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever amen 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 so that ends the the book of Jude of a, a a fast pace through it hopefully you have some questions and thoughts i'm going to bring pastor murray in a moment but what i want to do is just go ahead and uh, just summarize uh the book and also how it ties to the other two books that we've studied recently so first of all in terms of summary uh the structure of the book there's an introduction and and there's this urgent need to write that his purpose is to address the infiltration the church is in danger it's urgent. He was going to write one letter, basically tore it up, threw it away. It's in, you can, somebody dial 911, the church is at risk. And this, this goes right before the book of Revelation. And the epistles of Jesus to the seven churches are basically ringing the same alarm. So there's infiltration. We need to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered. He then warns us by showing how what is the result of turning our back on God what is the result of apostasy and gives us three different examples of perversion and how the the wrath of God came down on that perversion and then he exhorts us he shows us what to look out for and uh, and how to work how to contend for the faith there are there's a difference there are some that are weak and we just need to encourage them and have compassion on them and there are others that have defiled themselves they have fallen victim to seduction of these, these demonic spirits And they're getting involved in sexual perversion. And we need to pull them out of the fire because they are going to be burned up, destroyed by God. So we need to have this compassion on them as well and pull them out of the fire while we absolutely hate the perversion that they've been involved in. So this is a fight. uh, And that's what Jude is warning us about. Now, in terms of comparing it to Hebrews, we see this similarity where they're both a word of exhortation. Paul is uh, Jude is exhorting us Paul is exhorting us it's all about faith Hebrews the whole book of Hebrews is all about faith so is Jude it's all about faith it's clear that the examples of the forefathers we we cannot forget their unfaithfulness and and the wrath that came upon them and there's this concern that the the way the devil works the way he's going to destroy us is through our lusts and we have to escape the the lusts that are in the world we have to become pure we have to become holy and not fall victim to this uh, desire for uh, worldly gratification that is inappropriate Uh, so God is coming he's a he's a consuming fire we have to shake this notion shake this concept that you know God is this you know long-haired hippie with sandals that just loves everybody loves the whole world just wants to give the whole world a great big hug and a great big kiss and just everything's fine he is Full of wrath there's such evil in this world it's we can't even speak about it it's so evil and god is furious and we need to escape this wrath and and we need to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together not become exclusive just make sure that we have fervent love for the brethren and really be thinking about one another not just caught up in our own salvation but really thinking of the whole congregation and uh, and really understanding that it's god it's his faithfulness it's, it's his promise to abraham we are living under his faithfulness and he's going to present us to himself without fault and now i just want to tie together uh the books that we've studied so revelation is sort of the overarching uh, pattern where we saw it begins with a message to the churches get ready work work, work the, the the sin out of your congregations don't tolerate sin in your congregations why because a crisis is coming and if the congregation is weak it's going to be overrun if the congregation is spiritually strong it will stand up to the to the beast power it, it will witness faithfully because the, the congregation is strong so get your, in the time we have before the beast flexes its muscle let's get our congregation strong then the beast flexes its muscle we are overcomers the, the, the lord returns with a reward for us or we are uh, overcome by the beast and the reward is a punishment so that's the pattern. Now we see Jude really aligns itself with the epistles of Christ. It's about get the church getting ready before the crisis comes. But in this process of getting ready, there will be this infiltration. The infiltration will have a measure of success. In some congregations it will completely overcome the congregations and destroy them. In others it will be contained because there's going to be this contention for the faith once delivered. In any case, like Habakkuk there is going to be this injustice this uh, uh, corruption that enters the Covenant community and God is going to correct it from the outside and so that leads to the crisis that Habakkuk saw that Paul when he was warning the Hebrews he thought that they were in the end time and that crisis that have that vision of Habakkuk for the end time he thought that was what was coming on the Hebrews in the first century turns out it's for us in the 21st century and that is the beast power that's coming and so that crisis when it comes we then turn to the book of hebrews when that external person first the internal infiltration we have to contend for the faith then the massive correction and then one or two out one of two outcomes either because of this massive correction we don't have the confidence in god we don't have the relationship with god we don't have the relationship with it with each other we apostatize or we have been contending for the faith and when this massive crisis comes we are we are governed by the holy spirit we witness faithfully we stand on on the promises of god and we are faithful through the crisis and then the reward comes at the end so these books all fully tied together and uh, what we'll do now uh, god willing is uh we will uh bring in pastor murray and uh we're here to uh, answer your questions, your thoughts, your comments on the uh, book of Jude. And we will, um, what shall I say here? Uh, you can ask the questions on Facebook and on CGI cgi.churchonline.org. Uh, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, speak with you there. Are you there, Pastor Murray?
1: Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: I don't hear you yet. Let me see what's going on here. Uh, okay. I can hear you now.
1: You can hear me now? Perfect. Okay,
0: Okay. very good. So let me take a look. Can you check a look at the chat? Actually, before you do that, I should ask you, uh, brother, any thoughts, comments, uh, either on Hebrews or Jude?
1: Yeah, just a few comments uh, while the folks uh, prepare some questions or comments.
0: actually means uh, who were written about before or
1: depicted previously, where Jude is basically saying the, the prophets have told us in times past that this would happen and these folks are just fulfilling this, fulfilling this prophecy. They weren't evil instruments of God. Um, so important to understand that there.
0: Um, another. Uh, piece oh, of, sorry Murray, uh, we're just having a problem with the sound. I'm getting a message that we're not getting sound from you. I can hear you clearly um but for some reason oh no i can hear okay. and see you clearly as well yeah let me just uh check here Why why don't, uh, why don't uh, we just not hold, hold, oh, gone again. Yep.
1: So why don't we just, uh, I will text you uh, through Slack, anything from the, from the the chat and unfortunately they won't.
0: I'm not sure what's going on with the sound here, but uh, I'm getting this message that we're not getting sound. Uh, let's just see here. It's a shame. I'm not sure what's going on. It seems like it's intermittent. I'm,
1: I'm throwing you a couple of comments uh, from me through through Slack.
0: Okay, and uh, it seems like so. I'm just trying to see if we're getting sound. Are you on the chat, Murray? Can you see if they're hearing me? Oh, so it's just your Uh, connection, it's it's a bad connection with you, but I think everybody can hear me. Okay, so I will read your comments from Slack. Um, So in verse 12, where it speaks about spots, they're like rocks in the water, so uh, I guess people collide with those. And um, let's see, I'll see if there's any questions on Facebook here. Okay, so we're back. I, I think the sound will just have to work through it. It should be fine. Um, and let's see if we have any questions. Any, any questions on the chat, uh, Murray? No,
1: no no, just... no questions so far on the chat. Okay.
0: Okay. And and you on, can hear me, though, right? Yes, I, I can. And on, on Facebook, it looks like everything is good. Uh, it seems like people can hear you as well. Uh, so, oh, so if, so if you can hear me. Yes.
1: Can you, hear me? you can hear me? So uh, uh, People uh, are saying
0: you... they can hear both of us. Oh, okay. So the sound is back.
1: Okay. can I, I'll just uh, circle back on a couple of things I was sure, going to say. Sure,
0: absolutely, yes.
1: Okay, so verse 12, uh, the spots in the love feasts, that word spots, those word spots actually means a ledge or a reef of rock in the sea. And you were really touching on how these folks uh, that, were, that were doing this weren't even real church members. They were, had infiltrated and were evil. So what? That, how that, that word spots in Greek really acts as, As these are are dangers under the water that can't be seen that can 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 dislodge a ship. That's very powerful.
0: Uh, So that's very powerful. Reefs of
1: yeah, reefs of rock under the sea. Um, And then just a couple more down to verse twenty-two. That word uh, making a distinction or making a difference in the King James, that's that word diakrino, which means discernment. Uh, And it's 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 the command to the, the church to use proper discernment whether to have compassion over those that just you know need some guidance out of, out of their ways and and uh, or to save with fear and that fear is well that that word that you've talked to us about before which is phobia this isn't the respectful yes. fear of god this, this is the time that people actually need to be terrorized back into back into place very good, very good. So, so just some color too to add to the uh, Real support support the teachings you were talking about
0: and I just want to be clear that everybody uh, sees the connection between Revelation Jude Habakkuk and Hebrews. So Revelation just gives us the the whole story and then that that pattern in Revelation is uh, Church get ready crisis and then reward and so church get ready Jude really brings that out for us to say we need to get fix our you know not tolerate sinfulness uh, not tolerate apostasy. Christ covers all of these in his, in his epistles. Jude really warns us urgently. And I don't know whether it was the Holy Spirit coming upon him and giving him this revelation of what's going to happen in the end, or if he just got a sense or a report of what's happening in the congregation. But something happened to him to compel him to write to the church with this very urgent warning to fix your, get yourself right with God in order to be successful through this apostasy that's coming the 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 crisis then comes which in revelation we see the beast uh, prevailing against the saints in habakkuk we see the vision of habakkuk uh, god saying i am going to fix this it's going to fix it from the outside and then in hebrews we see when this persecution comes on the church the hebrews panic and they're trying to find a way to escape the persecution instead of standing up faithfully uh, preaching the gospel and just going forward knowing that the just shall live by faith
1: There are a couple of questions here, uh, if I can read them to you. Absolutely. Uh, One comes from uh, JD, who asks, why are some fallen angels in chains while others are active? Uh, William makes a quick comment before uh, I ask you. He says, the answer you seek is in the Book of Enoch. Did you want to expand upon that?
0: Yeah, so this is uh, Jewish literature that really goes back to Genesis 6. And it appears from uh, the Book of Enoch that there were a set of angels that left their state and started to manipulate or participate in human sexuality, and sort of similar as if a human were to participate in animal sexuality. And these specific angels are, are set aside and, and they're they're chained or imprisoned until the judgment comes. This is what the Book of Enoch uh, speaks about, and so this is this is the Hebrew or Jewish literature that Jude would know that the saints that he's writing to would be very familiar with these teachings because they themselves were Jewish and reading this, this literature.
1: Thank you. And the next one comes from Ray, who says, How can so many turn their back on God?
0: There but for the grace of God go I. I think the question, the really uh, question we should ask is, how can God have so much mercy on us that he's going to present us before his throne faultless. And it really comes mm-hmm. down to that that faith of Abraham, that God said it, we believe it, and we're just gonna follow through and, and cling to him no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think the natural condition is actually apostasy, that we don't believe God, we, we believe in our own righteousness, we believe in other human beings, and this is sort of the natural state. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit to be in that supernatural state of faithfulness.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, no other questions here, just a few thank yous from JD, from Ray, from Rick4, uh, on your answers and your study.
0: Great. And uh, on YouTube, there's a comment from Angel Zap saying, I have to repent of all the bad deeds. Amen, brother. We all do. Like, I, I really mm-hmm. hope that what we get from the word of God is God is not to be trifled with. This is not a game. This is This is eternal life that we're dealing with. And if we are involved in things that we know we should not be involved in, go to the high priest, repent. We can't do this by ourselves. There's no, there's no sense beating ourselves up because we fail and we fall, and then we're like, oh, I'm never gonna make it. This is not the Christian way. The Christian way is I'm a human being. I'm, there's no righteousness within me. There's nothing good in me. Oh, but then God gives me his Holy Spirit. The reason he gives me his Holy Spirit, he wants to put me to work. And so he has everything, he, he's putting me in this body to work, the body works, our, my body works, your body works. It's functional. And so we're putting mm-hmm. the body to function. And, and we just, we, we get down on our knees, we take it to our high priest. And over time we see like, I, I'm not the same person I was last year. And, and I'm, I'm becoming a new person. And this time next year, I'm stronger than I was at this time. And it's all the work of God so we just brethren please repent
1: and when and when we that actually falls right in line with the end of Jude where he's telling the brethren uh, to have that type of uh, uh, distinction or discernment to treat those who are in, in in a repentant state with compassion and those who aren't treat—they—they uh, they need uh, some terror to set them straight. So, uh, Christ is obviously the perfect example, and if we are repentant, he will—he will be ever compassionate for us.
0: Yeah, exactly. Nothing wrong with fearing God. You know, nothing wrong with being afraid mm-hmm. to uh, damage one another. Uh, this is—this is good fear. And—and uh, and then I think it's really important that as we contend for the faith, we're not beating everybody up in the congregation. There really is a sense of there, but for the grace of God, go I. And sometimes we do have to provoke one another, uh, but it's always with this heart of love and compassion and a view to the end game.
1: And that, again, that word provoke, and you've touched on it uh, several times back in Hebrews, um, has the connotation of, of a jab that is designed to elicit a reaction.
0: Right. Exactly um, right. And this, I think um, Paul says it best in Hebrews when he says our god is a destroying fire and Jude repeats that when he says hey i just want to remind you that the very people that god saved from egypt those very same people he destroyed for lack of faith our god is a destroying fire and i think we just have to have this awe and respect for god that we're we're not to toy we don't have god in our back pocket and it's like, oh, I need a healing. Mm-hmm. I need healing. Oh, I'll pull out God, and I'll get healed. Oh, I need some money. I need. I need. A, I need a new house. Pull out God. I get a new house. Uh, we're dealing with God, and we have to have this great sense of regard and great sense of awe, and and right fear, for him. Right reverence. Mhm. Agreed. Very good. So, uh, Pastor, Murray, and then again, if you know, if, if you're out there and you're thinking about baptism, uh, that's what this is all about: making disciples. And so if, if, you, if you need baptism, reach out to us, uh, adrian.davis uh, at cgicanada.org and murray.palmeteer at cgicanada.org. And we're happy to uh, work with you. And I know Pastor Murray's doing a lot of counseling for brethren who are seeking, or people who are seeking uh, baptism. I do want to mention that uh, we want to get onto the book of Isaiah. We're going to do that book next, God willing. Uh, however, For the month of September, because of the Holy Days, because of my travel schedule, we have the Feast coming up, Uh, we will not have any Wednesday night Bible studies. Uh, That grieves me, but uh, that's the situation. We're going to resume Wednesday night Bible study in October. So for those of you who know about the Feast Days, our brethren, uh, have a wonderful Fall Festival season. For those of you who are tuning in you don't really understand what we're talking about right to us. You have to understand the Holy Days. They're a part of God's righteous plan. And if you don't understand the Holy Days, you really can't understand what God is doing. So we're going to resume Bible study, God willing, with the book of Isaiah on October 3rd. Uh, Pastor Murray, any, any last words?
1: Uh Just uh, from our family and our congregations uh, to everyone out there, have a most meaningful and edifying uh, fall festival season. These are these are exciting times, and, and as we've heard over the last number of studies about how difficult it's going to be, it's, a, it's during these festival times when we're together uh, um, for a longer period of time that we build up the reserves that uh, will help us endure. So That's have a right. great uh, festival season, everyone.
0: Amen. So let's love one another. Let's love our God. Jesus Christ is King. He's coming soon. And let's, let's hide from his wrath. And we'll do that by loving him, by loving one another, and heeding his word. God bless. God bless, Murray.
1: Good night, all. Good
0: night.